Good to have you tonight. Glad that you're here. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 3. I guess I'm talking fast all of a sudden, uh, maybe unnecessarily, but I want to have a, I have a lot to say in just a few minutes to say it. And 1 Corinthians 3, and Nancy, again, thank you so much for uh, the, the testimonial and for your faithfulness all these 16-plus uh, years and what your Lord's going to use you in a great way in that village or that town. Uh, to uh, bring many others to the saving knowledge of Christ. We're thrilled for you, and we need to continue to pray and help support Nancy and that she can uh, stay on the field there in Russia. 1 Corinthians 3, um, I do have a full-blown message. I'm not going to preach it. It's really part two of last Sunday nights here, and uh, we'll get as far as we can. We wanted to talk about milk drinkers and meat eaters from uh, the same familiar passage of Scripture that we used last week. I'll let you remain seated since I just had you sit down. So look at verse number 1 of 1 Corinthians 3 tonight. And uh, the Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Uh, we've lost our appetite for many things in the Word of God, as a matter of fact. And I don't mean to be derogatory tonight. I'm trying to avoid that at all costs here. You're here tonight. But Sunday nights around America have gone by the wayside and most every church, there's very few churches that now have Sunday night services, period. We're getting less and less of the Word of God instead of more of the Word of God, which is really a shame. There used to be a day when many Americans were hungry for God's Word, but we're, we, our life is so filled up with other things nowadays, it seems like. But it says this, verse number two, I have fed you, Paul says, this, what, what they thought was a sophisticated church, his church at Corinth, with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, Neither yet now are ye able. Now Paul tells them, for ye are yet carnal. You're yet fleshly, in other words. You're yet immature. You're babes. You're not mature Christians like you think you are. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? They were like the church in Revelation, of course, that thought they were rich and the Lord says but you're miserable you're poor you're blind you're naked and uh, you have much need but you think you're rich and in need of nothing it's like the many of the American churches today you think they're they're rich and mature in Christ and when they're really babes in Christ they're carnal verses 4 and 5 says this for one while one saith I am of Paul and another I am of Apollos are you not carnal who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. And I'll do this rapid fire, but just in way of review, last week we looked at the, uh, as soon as I find my list, there it is, five, five uh, universal principles regarding milk drinkers versus meat eaters. And I'll just rapid fire, just give you this statement. Number one, principle number one, milk is, is digestible doctrine for every true Christian. There's the milk of the Word of God, which is easily digestible. Then there's the meat of the Word of God that's not so much easily digestible. Uh, principle number two, we said that an all-milk diet will eventually lead to stunted growth, ultimately to, a weak and, uh, mal to weakness and malnutrition. Thirdly, we said that, that uh, principle number three, an all-meat diet in and of itself is unhealthy. You need both. You need milk and meat, and we... You'd be told the old, old story of Jesus and his love and never get tired of hearing the first principles of the oracles of God, the, 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 the doctrine of salvation and who Jesus Christ is. And Then principle number four, both meat and milk 
are essential to grow mature Christians. Number five, ultimately, both milk and meat should taste good, quote-unquote good, to the believer. And you ought to enjoy both. I gave the illustration last week, and I'll just see it again. If you are a, really a mature Christian, you like to hear about the first things of the Word of God. You still like to hear uh, messages, milk messages or easy messages, but you also like milk messages. And if you're a newborn baby in Christ and you... You, uh, just, you're just new to the things of God. You still like to hear things that you may not understand that are hard to understand, but you're drinking it in as much as fast as you can. So we looked at the milk list last week from Hebrews chapter 6, starting in Hebrews chapter 5, the last four verses. We won't go there tonight for time's sake. But we looked at the, the, easily do, the easy doctrines of the Word of God, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, the doctrines of Christ, of repentance, of faith of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection and of judgment. We touched on the resurrection, or the easy doctrines that people like to hear, the doctrines of love, the doctrines of heaven, love, joy, peace, and those easy type messages. I was talking to Pastor Rich about the fact that he says, I make myself preach one message Sunday morning a year on hell. And that's really good because uh, I have to start making myself do that as well because I don't like to preach on hell because that's strong meat. That's hard preaching. That's, that's difficult to do. But that's part of the meat list, if you will. And we started on the meat list last week, and I went really rapid fire and take another three minutes of review, and then we'll move forward in the minutes that we have tonight. But I had a D thing going, and we won't, uh, just in way of quick review, we looked at chapter 3 and verses 4 and 5, which I've already read. Paul said to this church that thought they were a mature church that you're not mature, you got, you're full of divisions and schisms. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't have much unity. They, one was of Paul, one was of Paulus. And then um, we looked at chapter 4, just touched on it. We see, uh, and you can start to turn your Bible, or turn your pages if you need to. Of course, chapter 4 touches on the man of God, the dealing with the man of God and how we treat the man of God. We looked at it this morning in the Third John message just a bit. Then we looked at the discipline in the local church, uh, chapter number 5, and uh, about the sin that was going on in the local church. And uh, we have a tendency to look the other way. And uh, I will tell you, in fact, let me just, why it just pops in my head. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, there's stuff that goes on on the Internet. I don't do the Internet. One reason I don't do the Internet, there's several reasons I don't do the Internet, like many people do. Uh, I don't have, it's just not me to begin with. Nothing wrong, I suppose, with Facebook in and of itself. I'm glad that some of you are on Facebook, and if you uh, can uh, uh, be productive on Facebook and stay connected with friends, I guess it's a good thing. I'm not bashing Facebook. I am just saying that uh, I find out that a lot of things I find out, I'm, I'm the last one to find out certain things because it's, you know, somebody's come to me and said, Pastor, you don't know about this? It's all over Facebook. It's all over the Internet about somebody, maybe a member of our church. I don't know, and I kind of like being in the dark a little bit sometimes. I don't want to know your... Your, uh, some, of, some of the things that you may be involved in, and maybe that's not right. And I was challenged even this past week about that the, the shepherd should know his flock, and so maybe I should get on that a little bit more and see what's going on in that thing. It's quiet. I was waiting for an amen, but no, I didn't get an amen. And uh, I'm teasing you just a little bit, but it's true. And, uh, but we see this discipline in the local church, a very serious subject, chapter 5. Chapter 6, we looked at uh, the subject of uh, defiling the body, the verses 19 and 20, the God, God says uh, that we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
And we're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your soul. I, I think your body belongs to God. I was holding off for an amen. I got one amen. So your body belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. And we parked on that for a few minutes last week, I believe. Then we looked at doubtful things in chapter number, or divorce in chapter number seven. And then doubtful things in chapter number eight. And then chapter number nine, in chapter number nine, we looked at the denial of self. Verse number 27 was our key verse. Let me read that, 927. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Uh, I'm, I'm very serious now. I'm not trying to do a joke. I do jokes terrible anyhow, so, but I'm not trying to be joking. Uh, but uh, I know... Uh, you know, I'm not the best physical specimen uh, that there, there is around at my age, that I could be in better shape than I'm in. We were with, uh, and I'll leave it unnamed on purpose, but I was with a, a pastor and their wife, and they were, they were uh, let's see, they were lacking in physical uh, uh, health, let's say it that way. I think some of it was their own doing. A lot of the baloney in our lives we create ourselves, by the way, right? And uh, they weren't, uh, uh, and I, I was thinking that it would be hard to have to put away your internal prejudice and it would be hard to uh, sit underneath somebody that's really out of shape. And then I thought about myself. Now, don't, don't go there, please. I'm working at it. So Brother Parmar, Pastor Parmar, who's, who's uh, has bad headaches tonight. That's why he's not here. And Hasu came tonight and prayed for Pastor Parmar. But uh, he said, Brother Marty, and I always try to imitate Brother Parmar. He says, you need to get to the gym. And so I said, he's, he's, he's chiding me about going to the gym. It's like, I don't have time to go to the gym. Well, maybe if I don't have time to go to the gym, maybe uh, I might not have time anyhow. So maybe I need to start getting to the gym. And so it's one of my, my resolutions. We'll see how long it lasts. But I'd like to get into a little bit of a shape again. You know, so now don't go there, okay? Now, not hourglass shape, but, you know, not two-liter shape, pop-bottle shape. But you know what I mean. I'm digging a hole too fast here, so let's move on with that point here. So, but denial of self, and then, then chapter 10, we touched on drinking from the devil's cup. I think that's where we left off last week. So let's go to chapter number 11. I just want to touch in the, just the minutes that we have, and we'll not be just, just a surface scratching of these meat menus, or these meat uh, dinners, if you will. And chapter 11, each one of these chapters, in case you haven't figured out what I'm trying to say, is this book is a dissertation. Paul starts off, he says, listen, I'd love to give you milk or meat, but you're not strong enough to handle it. But anyhow, then he says, but here goes anyhow. He starts off with the milk in verses chapters 1 and 2 and 3, and then he goes into the things that there's a lot of problems with. And I think if we were to define the chapter number 11, it would be the distinguishing between male and female. We don't preach much on this anymore today, and uh, I haven't preached on this much, and we've, this used to be a 70s thing, an 80s thing, a 60s thing, I suppose, and we're going, I'm talking about decades now. But just glance with me, verse number 3, 1 Corinthians 11, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God, every man praying or prophesying having his head covered dishonoreth his head but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head for that is even all all one as she as if she were shaven 
And then it goes on to say in a paraphrase, and you see that if a woman has long hair, it's for her glory. And, uh, and uh, it's a distinguishing character trait. Now, I know we have all different types of hairstyles today. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get silly, but I, I saw a lady, I think it was just yesterday or maybe Friday, whatever day it was. But, I mean, I mean I, I'll just, just tell you, I don't think when I was a boy, I never, never ever thought, it never entered my mind. Oh, boy, here goes. I'm getting in trouble. It's me, remember? That one day I would see a woman with blue and purple and red hair all at the same time. <laughs> or green hair. You know, we chuckle and laugh a little bit. And I, I know that, uh, ladies, listen, I have no problem with dyeing hair or, you know, to getting rid of some of that gray and whatever you, uh, you do and putting some color in your hair. And uh, you say, but the, the things that we see today that we now accept... We would have had been of abhorrence just, just a few years ago. Our culture, we're slouching, uh, slouching towards Gomorrah, I'm afraid. We're becoming more and more acclimated to our, like the proverbial frog in the kettle. We're getting used to these things. But there used to be a distinguishing between men and women where you could tell the difference. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying, and I've seen many now, just in recent days, and well, maybe a week or two ago, I saw a human being, and that's the best I can say. I looked at, I didn't know if I was looking at he or she. And I says, I was kind of, and the more, the more I was inquisitive, the more I looked to try to study, is that a boy, or is that a man, or is that a woman? I can't tell. Had characteristics both ways. And we're in that era. Let's move on as I'm digging my hole here. Look at uh, verse number 12. Uh, no, not verse number 12. Verse number, verse number 14 for time's sake. Doth not even nature itself teach that if a man hath long hair, it is a shame unto him? These are messages we used to preach. It used to be, I remember when I first became a Christian back in the, my young teenage days. Fellas, in fact, Ethan, Ethan, it was Ethan's birthday yesterday, as a matter of fact. Ethan, I'm going to let you know a little secret. Every boy, and hey, you folks that are my age and older, you testify to this fact. Every, and when I say every, let me yell. Every single boy, without exception. I didn't have to yell that loud. But in 1960s, when I was in t elementary school, there wasn't a boy that had long hair. There was no such thing. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. By the way, what I'm getting on, I'm just thinking this, you know, I never wear a poor, I wear blue jeans now all the time, and I'm a pastor. Nothing wrong with blue jeans, but I never wore a pair of blue jeans. I didn't own a pair of blue jeans until I was in 11th grade. And, uh, farmers had overalls, we didn't call those blue jeans, work, work pants. But there are certain things, and all of us boys, in fact, if you look at my elementary school book, you go back to the 60s, just for the record, every boy in public school had a dress shirt on. And uh, by the way, just to, I know I'm emphasizing that word, but I'm, I mean every boy. There were, you were not allowed to wear a pullover. Go into Applebee's. Let me give you a case study. Go into Applebee's. Go behind the register. Look at the picture. I think it's of Torrington, Connecticut. There's an event in downtown Torrington. There is not one man in the picture that doesn't have a suit and tie on and a hat on. Look at the picture. It's hard for us to comprehend. We used to go to ball games. You used to dress in your Sunday best for a ball game. Now we dress like we're on the ball field in church. 
It's quiet, I know. We've, we've lost our distinctives. We say, well, it doesn't matter. And we cloak it under the fact that we're in, a, in this age of grace. But there was a day, let me, let me tell you, this is 1960, 1970 preaching, but it's still, I think it's 1 Corinthians 11 preaching. There was a day when men had short hair and women had I'm just telling you what the read the Bible, and by the way, this is in the New Testament. I just wanted to give it to you. You say, preacher, I don't like that. Well, I love you. Tough. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Read it for yourself and ask God to work in your heart. Chapter number 12, since I'm digging my hole here, let's finish up here. Chapter 12, we'll do five more chapters here in about two minutes apiece. We'll be done this, this evening here. We see in chapter number 12, the distribution of spiritual gifts. The Bible says, verse number one, not concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. He wants us to know these things. There's nine spiritual gifts. Amongst them are the most popular of today, and it's been this way since my whole lifetime, the gift of speaking in tongues or ecstatic utterances. I was looking at, uh, look at what the Bible says here in regards to the, 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 this gift. Uh, uh, chapter 12 and chapter 13 is a... Uh, Respite on love, but chapter 14, notice what it says. Let me see if I just pick out the verse here real quickly here. The Bible says, uh, when I was a boy, my mother went to, well, I'll just tell you exactly. We went to Assembly of God Church. And I remember the Indian evangelist in Assembly of God Church who had two-foot-long ponytail hair. This is the 1960s. He was an Indian after all, so he could have long hair. It didn't matter what 1 Corinthians 11 said. And he put his hands on my mother's head. His, hands on, his other hand on my, my uh, uh, mother's friend's head and tried to get them to get the gift of tongues. Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, in, uh, uh, where is it? Uh, verse 6, thank you. I might need help with that. Verse number 6 is 6. I thought I could pull off the... Uh, thank you, but that's what I was looking for. Uh, uh, Oh, that's not the verse I was looking for. I should have had it ready, and I don't have it ready. Read the chapter and read the, the, the violation of tongues in modern-day churches. Most tongues are, are spoken of, and this is not a misogynist statement. It's just a statement of fact by women in our churches, in churches across America. And God says that the, the, the interpretation be, if there's going to be tongues by two or by three at the most, and that by course, one at a time, and if there's not an interpreter, then they're to be quiet. Oh, there it is, verse 34 I'm looking for. Let your women keep silence in the churches. In the context, it says, For it is not permitted unto them to speak, for they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. That's New Testament. Don't pull Old Testament stuff on me. Say, that's under law. No, that's New Testament. That's what the Bible says. And yet you go into, many of you might not have this, uh, this uh, you've been there or done that, but I have. It's been many years, and most tongue-speaking churches are filled with women speaking, speaking in tongues. The Bible's very clear about this. Much, much of the tongues movement would be shut down if they just followed, not the Old Testament, but 1 Corinthians 14. Back to chapter 12, just real quickly. We see the, the, the giving of nine, or 12, or rather nine spectacular sign gifts, I believe, can God give tongues today if he wanted to? Certainly could. Has he done that? I, I don't, don't, don't doubt he can do that, give people another language to speak supernaturally. I don't doubt that. But uh, if, if tongues, I'll just say one more thing about tongues and we'll move forward. 
these Pentecostal charismatic churches that believe in tongues, why don't you pray? Nancy, how long did it take you to learn Russian? Or I guess you learned it in your house a little bit, I guess, but it took a number of years. You know, if you just only been, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but maybe I'm trying to be funny. Uh, if you're only a Pentecostal or charismatic, you could just pray that God would give you the gift of tongues and just go over there and instantaneously speak in Russian. Didn't work that way. You had to study, didn't you? And, uh, and some would say, well, you're not spirit-filled enough or you'd get, to get it right on the, uh, as a gift. But no, no. Uh, you say, this is strong meat stuff. There's a distribution of spiritual gifts and these, these things shall pass away, the Bible says. And the Bible tells us that at the end of chapter 13. Chapter 13, let's go to there real quickly. The duty, there's the duty of charity. If I have all knowledge and have all wisdom and have all understanding and can speak in the voice of tongues and of, of, of the voice of angels, and am I, am I eloquent? But if I have not charity, I'm nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Hey, we may not have all the answers, but we can have love. We can have, we can be, we can have love, and it's a duty to have love. Um, covered earnestly the best gifts, and love is a great, uh, it's not just a, it's, it's more than a gift, it's a command. For time's sake, we'll go to chapter 14, and we see the disorder in the church, and I've already touched on it, but just glance at verse number 23. Uh, how many, I'm just, I'm doing a poll, I just want to, how many have heard of the Toronto Blessing? You know what the Toronto Blessing is, anybody at all? I'm glad you don't know about the Toronto Blessing. Well, that's good. I'm not making this, maybe I shouldn't tease you. Don't do this, but if you wanted to do this, you could Google the Toronto Blessing, see what comes up. And it was a movement about 10, 15 years ago now, and it just, I saw it on television just a few months back. There's a resurrection thing going on. And the church, it was in Toronto, Canada, of course, and a church up there that's having, a, they claim another Pentecost, and they're, I have to get away from the pulpit to say this. I mean, it's so almost despicable. They're barking like dogs. I'm not, I'm not making this up. And they say they're being filled with the Spirit of God. They're barking, they're howling like dogs. Last time I checked, dogs were an unclean animal. Uh, I, I don't know if your dog can give God glory and uh, let everything hath breath give glory, but... But just the disorder and the, the craziness that's happening in the houses of God, the so so-called houses of God. God says that's not of the Lord at all. He says, uh, verse number 23, 1 Corinthians 14, if, there, if therefore the whole church come, be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that they are mad? You're crazy. That's what the Word of God says. That we let, and the, the, the chapter ends with, look what it ends with, verse number 40. Let's read that together, 1440. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Let all things be done decently and in order. God is the God of order, not disorder. Chapter 15 and then chapter 16, and we'll close tonight here. But for chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter. And we see the declaration of the order of the resurrection. Notice verse number 23 for one verse for this long 56 first chapter but every man in his own order Christ the first fruits after that they that are Christ that is coming I will tell you and God's my witness I you know this just the last seven days they're not here so I'll use it don't ask me who I won't tell you 
the last seven days I had somebody sincerely seeking in my office, just as this is last week, just last week this happened. Uh, things that we take for granted. I'm referring to eschatology, I'm referring to the rapture, the catching away. If you believe that Christ could come in the clouds and uh, he's not going to come to earth, but he could come in the clouds and he could come tonight and catch away every believer in Christ, say amen. I'm not trying to make you say that, but that's the doctrine of the rapture. We take that for granted. And then there's a time of Jacob's trouble or a time of wrath or uh, a week of, uh, where God's going to deal with the children of Israel. How long do we believe that the Bible teaches that period of time is? Seven years. We call that the great tribulation. Now you say that just like your elementary first grade uh, 101 eschatology students. Like you, you, know, you, you understand this and we accept it. There's the rapture. There's the seven year tribulation. And then the Lord comes at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Now, there's a lot of things that happen in those seven years and, and maybe an intermittent period of time between the rapture and when the actual seven years begins. We won't desert. desert but, and we accept that. And the more I've studied it, the more I'm convinced that that's dispensationally that's true. I had somebody in my office just this week that's been taught in many other churches around here to preach the gospel, but not all believe in eschatology that there's an order, that every man, there's an order in the, the eschatological or the doctrine of end time things. But uh, someone very confused that all the things that happened in Revelation happened already in the first century. And there are people that believe that. And there's churches that say, we won't take a stand on that. Listen, if we won't take a stand on some things, eventually you'll fall for anything. You need to find out what thus saith the Lord. And every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. I'm trying to tell you, and let me just spell it out a little bit, get a little closer to what I'm trying to tell you. There are now Baptist churches. There are now independent Baptist churches. There are now independent fundamental Baptist churches that use the moniker, the name takes, that no longer believe. They're very small in number, admittedly, but they no longer believe these end time doctrinal things. Well, we can't be dogmatic. And so now we have mid-tribulationists, we have post-tribulationists, we have pre-rathers, and we have preterists, and that is the word, by, by the way. And, um, and uh, we have all these different doctrines, and people are confused. And then people get to the point, well, since we're, they're divided on what we believe, and so we don't know, let's not talk about it. Well, that's not preaching the whole counsel of God. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And if I believe that the Lord is coming back and he could come back tonight, it might cause me to live well tonight. You know, It might cause me to live right for God. But if I think that it already happened already and we're just going to go case through us throughout, throughout life and then one day we'll just die and something will happen eventually, there's no, there's no desire, there's, no, there's very little desire to do right and live right. But there's a declaration of order of the resurrection of Christ and his order will resurrect uh, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them that are with the Lord already. And then the last one here, the last D, I have to have a D for chapter 16. Just glance at chapter 16, verses 1 and verse 16, as a matter of fact. Notice the distribution to the house of God and to duty. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Notice that I have given order. Uh, I'll just touch on this. Uh, there are those that say that tithing is Old Testament. Well, there is an Old Testament tithe, for the record. There is a Mosaic tithe. That's true. 
and a tithe that's not taught in the New Testament. Why well, disagree? The principle of first fruits is found out through all, whole, the whole Bible. We see it in Proverbs, and if you read Proverbs, I don't know how many of you, know, some of you do that, read Proverbs of the, 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 of the day. When we get to the third day of the week, we might read, we'll read Proverbs 3. The Bible says that we lay in, let every one of us lay inside in store as God has prospered us. There'll be no gatherings when we come. And, uh, and then when he comes, and we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. And so we see this collection to the church on the first day of the week. By the, time, by the way, what, the first day of the week, uh, what day is that, by the way? Sunday. Sunday. Now, you say, preacher, that's so elementary. Uh, I'm not against churches that have a Saturday service, per se. I'm not against churches that have a Friday service or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Monday service. The more services, the better. But don't replace the first day of the worship with another day of the week. The first day is God's day. The first day is the day where we come and we set aside as God has prospered us. And we take care of the work of God. Look at verse 16 just real quickly here. It says, That ye should submit yourselves unto such and to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. And so we... We're in this together. We're laborers together. And this is a team effort. And uh, I touched on it this morning. I'll just touch on it and we'll end with this tonight. But the ministry of Harvest Baptist Church is not Pastor Martin Schott's ministry or Pastor uh, and Caleb's ministry or Pastor Caleb and the deacon's ministry or Pastor and Caleb and deacon's and trustee's ministry or Pastor and deacon's and, and, and uh, assistant pastor and uh, the Sunday school teachers. No, it's everybody. Everybody is involved in the work of God, and we're, if we're named in the name of Christ, we need to be involved and we can give. And so we see this, this meat list. That's uh, uh, 10 after. I wanted to be done. So we're going to be done. So let's pray. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that, Father, you might help us to be about your business, Lord. Thank you for these special 5 p.m. services we've been able to have this summer. Lord, I pray that you'd bless as we get into a more consistent pattern, hopefully, Lord, as we hit the fall campaign. And, Lord, I know next weekend is Labor Day weekend, but we pray for good attendance at your house, and we pray for Sunday night services. Pray that you'd bless them in a great way. Thank you. Lord, may there be a blessing on each person that came tonight, Lord. And may we, Lord, uh, decide that we're not only we want to be sheep, that we're your sheep, but, Lord, we want to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We want to be disciplined ones. We want to be disciples followers of Christ. So, Lord, that means that uh, we need to grow up and mature. And, Lord, uh, consider the deep things of the Word of God, and, Lord, uh, get a good meat diet as well as a milk diet. Pray you'd bless in our moments of invitation. We pray tonight, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. And let's take our hymn.